Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, guys and girls. The program you are about to hear will be both fun and educational, but it is not a substitute for medical advice. Although we are doctors, we are not your doctors. Hello and welcome to Travel Medicine. As always, I'm your friendly neighborhood internal medicine doc, Dr. J. Hi guys! Happy Halloween! This is Dr. Santosh, your pediatric infectious disease doc and researcher. And joining us is special guest, space pharmacist, Eleonora Rangers. Ooh, happy <laughs> Halloween, everybody. <laughs> now, the, fun, the great part is that wasn't for this episode. She does that all the time. <laughs> exactly. I start every conversation with. <laughs> I admit, I'm already more interested in whatever you're about to say next. So uh, I applaud this conversational technique. <laughs> We have covered a lot of different kinds of monsters and myths and legends over our Halloween special years, Santosh. Yeah, and it's been not quite as fun as our comic book medicine episodes, which I personally love the mostest. But this one is like, you know, a slightly lesser loved, you know, like redheaded child. Oh my God, we just lost all of our redheaded listeners. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, what, what terror that goes bump in the night have we not covered on this earth? And there yeah. really isn't a lot. But then I started thinking, mm. what if it was not of planet earth? Oh, man. <laughs> no, actually, we need the theremin going. The theremin? Why do we need a theremin? We have a human theremin. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so I figured let's talk about, and, you know, to bury the lead, that is why we've brought our space pharmacist along. We are going to discuss the, taken with a grain of salt, <laughs> medical possibilities of alien abductions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> amongst amongst other things. Yeah, this will kind of be not our like exobiology episode. But I think there's a lot of fun that we can have with this, but we can still use scientific method to narrow down the probabilities of what life is like out there and then what that life out there would do to us. Should they abduct us? Is that probability or probabilities? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to note this one didn't start with me. No, no. <laughs> it didn't. That was completely unscripted, too. Josh, he's gunning for your job. Watch out. <laughs> well, and part of the reason I was also thinking about space, and Eleanor, you probably know about this, is the recent uh, failure of launch for the Artemis mission. Yes. And I saw a tweet just making fun of it where it was NASA said, oh, hey, guys, you're back early. And the astronaut steps out and says, moon's haunted. 
And that's when Blaze says, what? And then Astronaut loading a pistol into his uh, suit, stepping back into spaceship, Moon's Haunted. And then just full stop. <laughs> Which is, if it's a haunting, though, like, what in heaven's name are you going to do with a gun? Like, that's not, you need a proton pack. I, I Or a ray gun, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> I like that that's the only part of it you see the question. <laughs> when we talk about alien abductions, what are some of the first things that you guys think of? What are the images that come to mind? Eleanor? Oh, the first thing that comes to mind is is actually a movie that scared the living crap out of me as a kid. Oh, boy. Uh, it was a movie called Fire in the Sky. Yes! And, oh, yeah. and that, the famous uh, scenes of D.B. Sweeney on the alien spaceship and uh, what he encounters and then undergoing, you know, the physical exams or whatever the heck they were doing. Yeah. That, that was incredibly scary. And it, and a lot of it was classic things that you hear about with abduction, that, that you're kind of strapped down, that they may be doing something unanesthetized. Um, and it's usually something probing the head, the brain, uh, genitalia. Yeah. Uh, those are kind of the classic things you hear about. That one, I, I think that was one of the creepy ones where they put you in the perspective of the abducted person. Yes. Um, and then, like, you saw the thing coming towards your eye, like the yep. needle. Yeah. Especially if you're a young person. Oh, my God. Like, I still, to this day... There, every physician has some bugaboo like oh i can i can do gore and blood and guts and all that kind of thing but i hate this and for me it's you know anything to do with pathology of the eye it scares the living daylights out of me and i think part of it is that movie for sure oh yeah no that that movie always stands out to me it's yeah incredibly frightening Oh God! <laughs> I don't. I don't think I have one to to top that. Um, I will go a little bit more esoteric, though. Um, of course, because uh, Eleanor, I think you and I are both Trekkies. Yeah, um, And so the next generation, um, <gasps> when people were having blackouts aboard oh, the Starship yes. Enterprise, and they found out they were extra dimensional beings that were actually you know, taking humans into their dimension, experimenting them on them and put them back. And I think the one that got me was when Dr. Crusher is examining, um, I think she's examining Riker and she goes, that's interesting. Your arm has been severed and then replaced. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. was like, what? And, you know, she, because they, she had the tricorder and everything shows uh, every, you know, all the tissue planes in your arm are five microns off, which of course, now that I'm grown up and everything, that's like, that's absolutely nothing. That's fine. <laughs> so, but you know, there it's, it's like offset. And I was like, they did. Well, what? how about, how about, I don't know, at least three seasons worth of episodes from the X-Files. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, there's so yeah, many yeah. classic, classic tropes Abduction. From, mm -hmm. from that. Yeah. Um, you would think, you know, how far back do these go? When was sort of the first abduction? Because everybody knows this story. Yeah, but where's yeah. the story from? Where, and yeah. it turns out it's really fairly recent. We only go back to about 1961, um, at least oh. for the abduction version of alien interactions. People have of course, been talking about interacting with aliens for years, but, you know, we've gone from building the pyramids to abducting and probing people on back roads. When did that change? So just very briefly in terms of history, we're talking about two people, Betty and Barney Hill, the earliest known victims of alien abduction. And this is from uh, their, their book, 1966, <laughs> The Interrupted Journey. Uh, where they <laughs> underwent hypnosis to recall the event. Sorry, were those the same two, like the husband and wife in the Flintstones? <laughs> it was that Betty and Barney Rubble, right? 
It, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like as soon as you said like Betty and Barney, I was like, mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't go too much into their story. There's actually several other podcasts that cover it, but the reason that they're sort of held up as the prime example is they were the first ones to report seeing you know lights in the sky while driving on a back road, thing blacking out when seeing the light approach them missing waking time. and they really didn't want to come forward to talk about it the journalist who got their story did so kind of very underhandedly published it without their permission and then they just sort of made the best of a bad situation but they gave individual uh yet similar accounts they have stuck to their story for many years and only later did they sort of start to uh embellish and um, try and build on to say that they were special. But in the beginning, they're just like, we don't know why this happened to us, could have happened to anybody. And a lot of the common tropes that they talk about are discussed. So I want to I approach this from a couple different angles. This is not to mock those who believe they've been abducted or who believe in alien abductions. I really want to look at the medical aspects of this. So if we take this as a... So you're, you're saying that... We have to get all up into this and maybe get inside. I'm saying it's, it's an unidentified object. <laughs> we have to dissect it. And maybe... <laughs> okay. All right. There's, there's a lot of area to cover. 51 of them, probably. <laughs> um, so, nice. <laughs> but let's approach this first from the skeptical point of view. What could be similar to these? Well, many of the frequently reported details of abduction sounds a lot like surgery um oh yeah yeah as in being anesthetized and accounts that people have of remembering their operation some even having like out-of-body experiences like seeing their own body from above being operated on or or night terrors too dreaming oh that's that's a great one yeah night terrors is another possibility um but but for surgery, let's see, you have an altered state of consciousness. Mm-hmm. You've got uniformly colored figures with prominent eyes. Oh, uh, especially if the surgeons were wearing loops. Okay. Yeah. Like they'd make their eyes look all buggy. Not to mention masks. So you don't, you know, to somebody who is altered, you're not going to have a mouth. That's it. The only recognizable feature is eyes in a high tech room. Under a round, bright, saucer-like object. Ooh, Are you seeing yeah. the parallels? There's nakedness. Yeah. There's yeah. pain. There's a loss of control while being probed. Oh, sure. And especially if, um, you know, poor thing, if she suffered paralysis from a paralytic, but the sedation that was actually keeping her unconscious wore off, she would feel trapped. She'd feel locked in. And in terms of the body's boundaries breached, intubation, catheters, rectal tubes, needles, the surgery itself. These aliens were not taking any kind of medical history, which means <laughs> they could be from outer space or they could just be surgeons. Question is, though, if they if it, they are surgeons, do these experiencers or abductees have any evidence of being surgerized and... I mean, there's been reports of supposedly having implants, but um, and maybe s- scars or tiny marks. But I don't know if they've had, you know, like Riker, where his whole arm's been severed and put back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was a. I'm telling you, I don't know why that did things to my mind. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was the one where people were, then some of them were remembering like the sound of the aliens. They were the instruments going click, 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 click. Oh click. yeah, the yeah. it it was more like whispering or clicking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they reproduced the the examination room in the holodeck. Yeah, that was a good episode. <laughs> so good. <laughs> 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 are we going to turn turning into a, just like a Star Trek episode review podcast? Uh, oh, you know, one of the one of the very few Star Trek episode review podcasts out there. But you do bring up a good point. What about scars? Well, let's talk repressed or traumatic memories or even just memories that you've, for lack of a better word, aged out of surgery in childhood with the amnesia for childhood. 
could just lead to a scar that you didn't notice until you had you underwent a different kind of surgery or a surgical scar itself. So there is the skeptical point of view could claim that these are all very similar to experiences that you just undergo. And maybe they are simply having memories of a previous surgical experience. Oh, sure. Like a flashback. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, and to support this point of view, a study was done. See, I, there's still science involved. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, we've, gotcha, got, gotcha. we've got a couple different studies. We can we can dissect them later to sure, see sure. what okay. sort of things we can pull out and discover. But okay, gotcha. <laughs> we're at least bringing something to the table. Um, so to look at what generally happens in traumatic or repressed or dissociated memories... Uh, often, at least in the field of psychology and psychiatry, it's thought that people do this to protect themselves from a traumatic event. But even when it's repressed, it can still be remembered. So to study this, a researcher took women with recovered memories of abuse and did a study employing something called the dies rodiger mcdermott paradigm which now I'm not entirely sure how these two relate, but it measures recall of words not actually present in a list of related words. And Oh, okay. so basically, you know, I remember that word being in that list, even though, you know, you didn't read that word off to me. Here, this was one of the problems with the study because they did a guided imagery study with a bunch of MRIs on various women who had undergone or claim to undergo abuse, uh, whether physical, mental, emotional, just they collected women with abuse. And the study that was linked wasn't described in a lot of detail. So some of these could also be problems with the design. But it showed that people with repressed memories were more given to false memories in a lab setting. Now, it does not say that they were more inclined to lie. It doesn't say that they were making things up, but they were more prone to have false memories based on this recall of unrelated words. So researcher Clancy founds that a lot of people basically disapproved of this research, feeling that it ultimately was questioning the validity of sexual abuse. So hypnosis and recalled memories of abductions really aren't going to be a reliable way to learn about our our alien brethren. However, this was not the intent of Clancy's research. They wanted to know, you know, how good are repressed memories? Can you actually recall them? So instead, a different researcher, John Mack, held an interdisciplinary brainstorming session on alien abduction, taking it just as we are at face value. And this was done in the way ancient days of Prepare to Decay, 1999. (laughs) space 1999 yeah oh so long ago in the mists of time (laughs) right Um, so but impressed with the idea if not necessarily the execution john mack and advisor richard mcnally asked clancy to collaborate on a study of physiology while remembering the abductions. So something that couldn't really be as subjective. So by newspaper ad, because newspapers still existed in the 90s, (laughs) they obtained 50, (laughs) 50 cases of people who claimed to have been abducted and ruled out the psychotic ones who called from, and these were, this was some of the ones who they sort of eliminated. They had called from either hospitals, halfway houses, shelters, or detox units to tell me things like aliens had switched their brain with that of Britney Spears. Oh, um, okay. Okay. All right. So they were, they were looking for people with stories more like the Hills. I had been abducted. I lost a chunk of time. Later it came back to me and I remember some sort of mental probe and less, they put it in my teeth or they switched brains with Britney Spears or things like that. Sure. Sure. Okay. All right. In, in their, 
In her book, Clancy notes all the abductees began to wonder if they were abducted only after they had experienced anomalous situations. So some kind of trigger event caused the return of this previously repressed memory. Um, The general plot stays the same, kidnapping for medical or sexual experimentation. Certain details often stay the same, big heads, wraparound eyes, probing needles. But at this point, it's so sunk into our pop culture that with every successive story, the previous one becomes a little unreliable because are you actually remembering your experience or are you conflating some repressed memory with what everybody knows about aliens. Oh yeah, this is, so this is kind of like the Mandela effect, uh, which is, it it relates to all of us sharing a false memory just because it's been perpetuated in popular culture, just talking to each other. So other examples of this include, uh, you know, a lot of us remember Curious George, as you know, having a tail or the, the Berenstain Bears, the uh, bearing the Berenstain Bears rather than the Berenstain Bears. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there's there's lots of it, it's so funny how we edit our memory, not just in the past, but as we live life, we're actively editing. So our brain is not like a camera that captures everything. It's much more complex in terms of how we form memories. And the biggest problem with that is that it's kind of sort of really unreliable. (laughs) So that gets us to how are you going to test this hypothesis? What, what would you guys do to standardize our examination of alien abductees? So on the human side of things, somebody comes to you and says they've been abducted what can you do? How are you going to rule this in or out? <laughs> oh, I mean, if it, if it wasn't humans, if it was animals, I just uh, t- tag a bunch of them, geotag them. <laughs> see if... <laughs> do they leave lo- this earth or come back? Yeah, yeah. And if I lost any signal and maybe see if I can... <laughs> no, no, that's not the right thing to do. That's That's really... <laughs> I uh, that was facetious partially mostly okay well uh, first you could start by taking a complete medical history with an emphasis on surgical or anesthetized procedures Um, you take all the fun out of it I just want to geotag some humans and (laughs) just see I'm not saying you can't (laughs) yeah I believe <laughs> Apple calls it find my phone or find my friends. <laughs> ah, there you sure, go. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I think it would be awesome if that's how we found out that alien abductions were real, that all of a sudden a bunch of like <laughs> Apple <laughs> Apple Watch users just start disappearing like it just bloop. <laughs> huh. According to Eleanor's uh Apple Watch, she's in space. Exactly. I'm circling the moon right now, unlike (laughs) Artemis One. (laughs) No, no, look at, oh, she's back in San Juan Capistrano. (laughs) But again, approaching from the skeptical side, really emphasize what surgical and medical procedures, how many, when, you know, go as far back as dental, as childhood procedures. And then if, you know, from a surgical aspect, look at what kind of anesthetics they may have received or any kind of consciousness altering pharmacological agents they may be on. Ambien, I'm looking at you. Uh, Similarly, trazodone, any of the benzodiazepines, things like that. Just to be very fair, uh, I, I know this wasn't the case in what we're about to talk about, but I would love to actually have a control population also of folks who had undergone those types of procedures, received those kinds of drugs, but didn't have any alien abduction um, accounts. So because that would at least help trace, you know, a a little bit of correlation. Well, your control is the rest of the population, unless you're assuming that everyone who's had surgery is also an abductee. Uh, (laughs) Okay, that's fair. That's very fair. 
And we're talking about if an individual comes to you, not if you are setting up a large-scale study, although we will check back in on that large-scale study. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, so you do this full history. While you're asking these questions, you can also monitor heart rate, uh, body temperature, respiratory rate, the things that we call vitals, and see how they change. Somebody with PTSD, from whatever reason, is going to start having elevated reactions when put in even the memory of a triggering situation. Now, whether this trauma was caused by alien abduction or some experience that's conflated with that in terms of pop culture, again, really hard to separate out. That's why the you're looking for anything that may help rule out. So this is what we call uh, alien abduction would be a diagnosis of exclusion. Absolutely. Yeah. But let's ask about the alien side. Cause this is where the fun comes in. What are the aliens checking for? Let's say they are aliens, right? What's their bedside manner? Do they make you wear humiliating paper garments in space? What's the reading material? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of, one of the, uh, theories that's, that's out there and of course this was something that was carried on in the x-files as an interesting storyline is that uh aliens are trying to when they're examining our reproductive capacity collecting sperm other types of specimens it's to figure out how to clone us or how to merge their dna with our dna for some undone purpose is it to colonize the earth is it to you know, take us and bring them and enslave us on their planet. Now, who knows? That seems inefficient. Um, <laughs> well, it, it would it would have to do with a little bit like how the aliens relate to us in terms of you know. So we view ourselves, for better or worse, kind of as superior species, I think that's fair enough to say, by and large, when it comes to, for instance, insects. And, you know, if we're studying mosquitoes and we want to know everything about them, then there's going to be some scientists that are studying their reproduction, other that are studying their feeding habits, you know, um, some now, you know, we're, we're studying now chemo attractants to see what attracts them to blood and that kind of a thing. And because they're simpler, really, in terms of everything about them we manipulate this we change that sometimes we manipulate something and then put them back into their habitat for instance their genetics to actually stop their reproduction so they don't spread malaria and other horrible diseases so like if the mosquito was going like dude i'm telling you i was totally abducted and they messed with my genitals right and everybody so we're, else we're is like just, all right frank you know come yeah, on we're, just, we're a lab <laughs> so, animal yeah yeah you know, so i mean um, how do we know the aliens are so advanced i mean the, the assumption is that they're they're super advanced more than right so in which case so, we would be like the insect so they're just right they're they're just trying to learn they're just like oh this is an interesting species let's crack it open and see what's going on yeah and it's like oh shoot i killed that one. Oh, it doesn't yeah, matter or <laughs> you know well that's why i i think the clone ideas again seems inefficient given how fast humans seem to reproduce on just a a global scale um as well as transporting somebody light years for for slavery purposes. Yeah. While I'm not saying couldn't happen, again, just seems <laughs> like inefficient use of space resources to come all this way. Now if <laughs> if you're looking at if you're looking at the other, the hybrid theory, well that could that's been answered a couple different ways in the outer limits, in various Star Trek episodes. But the interesting thing is for a super technologically advanced race, we've already found a way to start melding or hybridizing DNAs. We haven't worked with human except in one uh, rather scandalous case in China because we're talking about, of course, CRISPR. Yeah, yeah. So this was, you know, genetic manipulation to kind of see if we could. Um, that was definitely on our own species, you know, unfortunately it was the wrong thing to do. Absolutely. 
but that's that's possible. The other thing I'm thinking of is Josh, you and I have covered a lot of articles recently about human pig hybrids. Oh, and yes. that's specifically so that we could grow organs in different animals so that we could cut down on um, the number of transplants that we need, you know, so that we don't have to rely on someone becoming brain dead or donating a kidney. We could just grow the organ in a, you know, pig or something like that. So if our physiologies were close enough and they were like, Hey, we can, you know, grow some, whatever genitals? weird organ no not genitals <laughs> it doesn't have to be genitals but it you know but but what's they, being operated on in all these alien no, abductees no 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 but there's, like yeah. we're growing we're growing pig hearts they're growing human genitals yeah <laughs> didn't futurama look at this maybe our genitals are some sort of aphrodisiac oh, for aliens. oh human horn the human horn <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. okay. But so okay. you, so that's one possibility. CRISPR could be used to hybridize for not necessarily alien human hybrid uh creatures, but organs that can be used to whatever purpose. Assuming some kind of physiology is is similar enough. Um all right, I'll take that. So so genetic research and surgical research because you're talking about taking biopsies um mm-hmm. whether it's you know a bone marrow or genetic sampling or things like that um if you are in the alien's position or we're humans and we discover some new alien race and we decide to uh, unlike star trek since that's what this is a episode now of <laughs> <laughs> Let's say we flagrantly violate the prime directive and we start abducting creatures from some other planet. What sort of tests are you going to want to do to learn more about them? Uh, Separate from all the massive ethical ramifications (laughs) of experimenting on a creature with an unknown level of sentience. (laughs) I'd want to basically understand their physiology. I mean, are they, you know... What's their DNA composed of? Are they a silicon-based life form, an arsenic-based life form? <laughs> um, I'd want to. I'd want to understand that first and foremost. What makes? What does their life consist of that differs from ours? Yeah. So you could look at chemical makeup. Um, you know, physiologic response. So Eleanor, we, we actually do this quite a bit with, you know, animals here on earth. Um, especially if the animals are fair analogs to ourselves is we do run things like pharmacokinetics and things in terms of, Oh, how quickly do they metabolize this drug? Or what is the effect of this medication? on this organism um as a for instance like there's a I, I know there's a really common set of photos out there that shows a particular spider on various drugs and how it weaves its web so you know spider weaving its web on methamphetamine cocaine opiates uh, and that kind of a thing and and the shape of how it weaves actually sh- tells us the behavioral effects of the drug one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And thus the physiologic effects of the drug on the organism. So that, that could explain a lot of, you know, oh, implant this and they gave me this drug and that drug and that kind of thing. So... 
you know, without overcomplicating things, so could, again, simply anesthesia or any kind of sedative. I mean, look at GHB, also known as the date rape drug. Look at most sleeping pills out for just casual consumption on the market. All of them can cause (laughs) alterations in consciousness. Um, So we could simply be, or to put another way, Santosh, you you research occasionally with animals, correct? Mice? Uh, yes, primarily we're a mouse lab. And you usually have to sedate the mouse to either do a procedure or ultimately compassionately end its life for science. So by our ethical standards, we absolutely, and this is fairly recent, but um, yeah, you can actually have your lab taken away by violating some of these ethical standards. You have to completely sedate them, and then the method by which you euthanize them has to be a specific way which almost guarantees that they feel nothing. Yeah. So standardization of procedure on your experimental population. Mm-hmm. And even though... You are not a mouse. You by now know the mouse-sized dose to give to achieve that level of sedation, right? Yeah, and this absolutely. is where the pharmacokinetics that in that Eleanor knows also come in. So I would think that the fact that all these stories start to sound similar, if we take them as real, the reason everybody has slightly different recollections is the aliens have had over the course of since the 1960s, presumably till now, figured <laughs> out the right anesthetic doses and what compounds to use whether or not they are human equivalent compounds or Mm -hmm. alien compounds that work on human bodies sure so eleanor how would we how would we decide what the dose is for a creature that we know nothing about so even if let's say you know you you send me to do a internship with a a veterinarian yeah and the first day they're like i need you to sedate this pig what's an approach i'm going to take how am i going to know without you know if i don't have a pharmacist there to correct whatever dose i'm about to give <laughs> sure. well you know it, it, it's interesting i i uh recently listened to some continuing uh ed on veterinary considerations with with dosing and actually you, one very basic tenet is you can't assume that human physiology is is necessarily has any similarity to another species. They may have some, but not all. Um, so that's one. I think that's one issue that you the the aliens are going to have to probably they're they're going to make a reasonable assumption, assuming that they're of course a superior being and probably have similar logic to what we have. They're going to assume okay, all of these like two legged hairless creatures running around this this planet um probably have similar physiology so you know i'm going to look at their body size and probably make some reasonable conjecture i we have to also assume just pharmacokinetics and dynamics even exist in their alien world i don't know um i think it may be maybe a bit of hit or miss um, and they they probably just learn from experience, which is why they have to keep abducting people. And also, note you know there are some cases where people claim they've been abducted over many, 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 many times. So maybe they're retesting in that one person as they age, just to test how their response is to these different doses. Oh, that way that that individual is his own control. Own control, control, exactly. Yeah. I see. Whoa creepy so now you've got you know several different disciplines you've got the long-term case reports and now let's let's design our abductee population knowing little to nothing about earth where are you going to want to abduct from well abductions to my knowledge in my vast knowledge of abductology um they've (laughs) they've been reported all over the world um, you know, there's also a famous case that John Mack documented of a, not an abduction, but of a UFO scenario uh, that multiple children of both, Af- of both um, I guess, African-American and Caucasian descent witnessed in Zimbabwe. And 
all of them, all these children uh, sort of experience the same thing and what they observed. Um, it's just an example of something that happened in Africa, but I know there's been reports in all over the world, to my knowledge. So I think if... So it's equal opportunity abduction. Yes, it seems to be consistently, as you mentioned, all over the world, multiple genders, a range of ages, all getting a similar type of test performed on them. So we've talked about CRISPR and hybridizing for organs. We've talked about kind of testing different anesthetic or drugs that may be designed for other than human physiology or may just be to sedate us while other tests are done. <laughs> yeah. You've talked about getting... having control, uh, control yeah. groups versus randomized ones. Yep. And they're getting a diverse population if they're abducting all over the world. So if I were to examine this and, and look for things now, again, let's, let's drop back over to the human side of this. If I were looking for aliens from a scientific, I guess, statistical perspective, I would try and start finding all these groups, collecting them and looking to see what are the, the similarities among them. So say, for example, we notice that there's a larger cluster of, of abductions in countries that are more populated but it always occurs in less populated areas of those countries. So you're looking for areas of scarcity within high areas of population density. And that, oddly enough, is what we see. You know, people aren't getting abducted from downtown uh, New York, Chicago, or Los Angeles. Oh, there was a report of, of abduction in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Occasionally, yeah. then. Occasionally. <laughs> but yeah, mo most of it's like fire in the sky, where it's like a bunch of loggers out drinking and they... Yeah. <laughs> but similarly, when you look at reports from um, China, from Russia, from India, and from Kenya, which are some of the more populated cities around the world, again, you're not seeing even in, say, when you compare Nairobi to Chicago in terms of population, um, even though one may be less, you're not going to see more abductions in that smaller area. You're going to look at the high density major towns and then just outside, although I wish I knew what kind of distance, like 20 miles, 50, how far out do you have to go or does it just become rural? But once you start hitting lower density populations, so why would you do that, do you suppose? So these are some of the known facts. It tends to be um, higher density countries but in lower density areas. Why would you select your population study that way? Because you want to do, try to be as secretive as possible. <laughs> yeah, well, or, or if you're saying you're a superior, you know, kind of whatever in terms of the intellect and stuff, um, create the least amount of disruption in terms of yeah. like social disruption. It's just like, you know, gorillas in the mist, you know, you're studying the, gorillas but you don't want you know you're in a blind so you don't want them to know that you're like observing them yeah yeah because then your observation will actually like screw up the experiment yeah. possibly Maybe. is that what you're on josh or you have a different hypothesis? yeah no no this is this is what i want us to think about you know when before yeah. we before we go back to just dismissing out of hand let's say what's the <laughs> medical rationale what's the scientific rationale behind these decisions all right so now we know why we're picking areas we don't want to you know so now it sounds more like it's anthropological research um, I, I guess but to to some degree i mean but if if i really ultimately wanted to learn about okay i, I actually want to learn what you know, the majority of the population is doing in terms of their physiology and whatever it was like, I, I have to get down to it and start taking large samples from the population center because otherwise you're just getting kind of like a skewed population. If you check on the outside. Yeah. So although I don't know if we've ever heard of mass abductions, have we? Well, uh, yeah. And that's, that's the other thing that's kind of missing, right? So when we do wildlife research, and that kind of a thing here on earth, it's you're, you're trying to get like 
groups and then you pick them up and you sedate them and you tag them and you send them out. Right. So it's only, you only get singlets if they're really large, you know, predators and stuff like that, like big cats or rhino. The only other explanation I can come up with is, you know, one or two people from every rural area on earth would still provide a pretty decent sample size population. Um, without having to worry about secrecy or disturbing the natural flow, if you're literally just pulling one person from, you know, out in the random area, they're an outlier for their city. But if you collect even a population of a billion outliers from every city, you've still got a pretty good representative sample. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I'm trying to think of an entomologist. Like if you were, if you, if you were studying ants, for instance, yeah, I guess you, you wouldn't go down, like you wouldn't scoop your hand into the middle of the nest to get your ants. You'd catch the ones. Not that more were, than once anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd, yeah. You'd get the ones that were patrolling and going and, and getting leaves and stuff from outside of the, the uh, hive or the nest. Yeah. Now, let's look at one other aspect of alien abductions. What okay. steps are they taking to protect themselves from us? Um, famously, oh, okay. famously... A- alien PPE, you're saying. Well, yeah. let's look at one of the most famous uh, alien abduction or alien stories and disease, War of the Worlds. Spoiler alert for an over... <laughs> Hundred year old story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But do you know what ultimately kills all the Martians who attack Earth? COVID. I'm sorry, a cold the common cold. (laughs) The common cold, yeah. Um that was there was one war of the worlds where I think was it Morgan Friedman Friedman who um he narrates at the very end. Uh I think talks about Armageddon or is it Armageddon or the one where uh Oh. Uh, no, it's not Armageddon, but the, the line is a very poetic one. Um, these great and powerful beings were felled by the smallest and simplest of us. Um, those creatures that we had been able to coexist with um, by trial of life or death and immunity earned over millennia or something like that it was a really beautiful like closing to that to that and i can i can imagine morgan freeman you know yeah 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 yeah. it was it was really pretty i think it might have been the 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 tom bruce war of the worlds oh okay yeah (laughs) so what why do you suppose or what do you suppose is being done to protect from potential microbes that we could carry or is it just like you know santosh what sort of protective gear are you wearing when you work with animals or do you just not care because you're like well whatever i'm not catching (laughs) some random mouse disease dude you're gonna get me caught by my like irb and stuff (laughs) no no so okay uh if i'm working with what's called biosafety level two which is what i have to when i put infectious agents into a mouse and then I'm experimenting with the mouse. So I have to have, um, first of all, proper clothes uh, on underneath, which is a long sleeve shirt, no open toed shoes. I got to wear a lab coat. And if I'm not dealing with fire, but I'm dealing with fluids, it has to be splash proof, uh, double glove. And because it's the time of COVID, I'm also wearing a mask and possibly like, not heavy duty goggles, but at least some eye protection in case there's mm-hmm. a splash to my eyes. And now we've circled back again to what does the standard representation of an alien look like? Oh, oh. No. so are they wearing God. a mask? Are they wearing a mask? Yeah, that's what that um, gray with the dark eyes. It's a it's a helmet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course we can also look at our other famous alien movie everybody knows independence um and there they talk about a computer virus that brings them down rather than a, a human virus uh but i thought it was Randy Quaid. right um <laughs> let's talk about what you said biosafety levels santosh what are the different biosafety levels what sort of 
equipment is required to do these kinds of research. And then let's look at the parallels between these and the stories. So it sounds like from your description, humans would be a biosafety hazard level two oh, yeah. to this hypothetical <laughs> you know, risk. At least, <laughs> it, but there's variability there. At, at, yeah, yeah, at minimum, at minimum, dude. <laughs> we, so we... what are the standard microbes carried around in every human that you think could pose the biggest danger to extraterrestrial life? Okay, so... And some of this, and I'm, I'm going to just interject right for yes. a moment. Some yeah. of this, I'd also like to hear Eleanor's take on, because we've talked in the past about how microbes react differently in microgravity. Ah, yes. Oh, that's true. true. That's true. Okay, so um, four big categories that we always deal with. Uh, viruses, bacteria, fungi, and, you know, eukaryotic pathogens. Those are usually how we break it down in infectious diseases. So we carry a host of viruses, but probably the scariest are herpes viruses because they stay latent in parts of our system forever. So HSV-1 and 2, cytomegalovirus, Epstein-Barr um, can all be not only lethal um, and like to invade especially the central nervous system, but they also like to cause cancers um, after they establish latency in cells. So that's number one, viruses. Um, and we've got cold viruses, of course, like on <laughs> the ones that kill the, the War of the Worlds aliens. Uh, bacteria, uh, and we've talked about this too, Josh, and this is one where I can stop and let Eleanor chime in. We are somewhere between five times of our human cells, so-called human cells, uh, anywhere between five times to 10 times that amount is actually bacterial cells. So on our skin, in our gut, you know, we are much more bacteria than human. And the very conservative estimate says we are at least one to one. So we're like half bacteria. So, and, and I think this is what's been studied the most in terms of what bacteria do in microgravity. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, just thinking about this, they always talk about an abduction being taken up to the ship. So does that ship have artificial gravity or is it have, you know, it, are you floating around? I think the prevailing abduction scenarios don't really talk about floating around necessarily. So if they have some sort of artificial gravity, then maybe some of the effects that they've documented with E. coli or Staph aureus in microgravity wouldn't apply. You know, what, they... are, what are those effects? It's been a it's been a hot minute since we've been had a, a hot chance minute. to discuss them. <clears throat> well, what's been documented uh, by both the Russians and the U.S. is that um, you know gram negative bacteria can become they can grow much more avidly. They can they can actually increase virulence factors like Salmonella can do that in in microgravity. Um, the, I believe it's Staph aureus can grow thicker cell walls, um, you know, or like E. coli can grow more avidly. So all of this can, can point to in, increased resistance potentially to antibiotic therapy. So, I so would allow me, allow me to put forward a hypothesis. You're out in space, and these people all have a sensation of being unable to move, perhaps strapped down if there's no artificial gravity. Your microbiome, just your natural gut microbiome, is full of gram-negative bacteria that are by now colonizing and or harmless to us, but once we're in a microgravity environment, could rapidly become... Uh, not necessarily virulent to us, but could grow larger, not to mention anybody who's carrying around just a casual stomach bug or, goodness forbid, a community-acquired case of maybe C. diff. Oh, yeah. Or they don't actually have to necessarily have C. diff colitis. They could just be colonized with C. diff. It'd be at low amounts, but they could just be like, you know, it's just hanging out, not causing any problems for the... Or so, now, with Mirza. <laughs> yeah. so now you have a human who may be producing rapid amounts of gram-negative bacteria with an unknown effect on whatever this alien race is. Mm -hmm. And maybe 
due to the sedation, due to the anxiety, due to whatever, this human is, for lack of a better word, uh, pooping themselves. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. You know what no. this would be a good time to do if you were an alien clinician? Insert a rectal, a rectal tube. Probe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. you don't want all that highly biohazardous, potentially contaminating material in your alien operating room exposing you and your workers to the extraterrestrial equivalent of OSHA violations. <laughs> and not only that, a lot of these bacteria, they love to sporulate. Um, Ooh, they adhere sporulate. really well to surfaces. And, you know, they are, and Eleanor, I'm sure you've worked on this in like infection control. They are murder to try and eradicate yeah, once they're, yeah. they're stuck to your walls and your sheets and everything else. And your vents and your, yeah, you know, flying saucer. Yeah, area. you're basically you're gonna have to burn the ship, <laughs> you're gonna have to just... or, or irradiate it, or flood it with ethylene oxide. Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, that would be the only, you know, like the only way that it would be okay is if uh, those, you know, the aliens actually were comfortable breathing some of those gases which were very noxious to us as well as those bacteria um but if if they were fine with just like flooding that everywhere then they could kill this stuff on mass very quickly um but i can't imagine that being compatible with a lot of different you know forms of life <laughs> well again so now we have a possible reason for anal probes beyond just aliens getting their perverse jollies <laughs> um, sure, sure. Well, <clears throat> and without without them trying to collect or so without it being a sexual or an organ or a clone thing, just a simple matter of protecting yourself from infection. Is it overkill? I mean, maybe, but <laughs> I, I think we've now worked our way through like maybe their physical appearance as well as at least a possible explanation for anal probes as well as the random sampling of rural populations to experiment on. They're so misunderstood. <laughs> it's all coming together. It's all coming together. <laughs> so can you guys think of any other medical studies or things that you would want to do as an alien? Um, or, you know, that you would, that we could explain away that people have had done to them. Have we covered all the tropes? Uh, the only thing we haven't covered is, um, there've been reports of women being impregnated. Oh yeah. That's the old, you know, they took me up there and they left an alien baby in me. Exactly. That's ripped from the tabloid headlines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now. Yeah. The vast majority of these babies have all been human, right? <laughs> At least in No, I'm vast saying in appearance. Like a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning <laughs> meaning not hoaxes, not sure. not some, you know, animal or calf that is being presented, because there are medical reports uh in our own history of women trying to pass off non-human births as their own. Like one woman claimed to have given birth to something like 20 rabbits and two goats and it's it's actually a really fascinating case report which i'll link <laughs> if bad. i can find um we're bad boy <laughs> yeah uh so you know the people who claim to be pregnant the first question would be did they actually give birth second was anyone there to witness it third you know what did they give birth to, to if yeah. so okay that's very fair um, absolutely but um I think that's a really good point. Essentially, any life form, okay, is going to be born. So it'd be interesting to study that. It would be interesting to study how they consume energy. So their nutrition, how they grow, mature, wow. how they reproduce, because that's an essential part of anything's life cycle is its reproductive habits. And then finally, it's the scary part. It's like how they die, like how, what, what kills them, 
So, you know, a lot of what we talk about natural predators, you know, what's toxic to it, what can it stand? Like, as if, for instance, uh, Eleanor, the poor tardigrade, right? Like oh, the water bear. Like, yeah. we've done everything to this poor little thing to see, like, how do you die? We've desiccated it, we've irradiated it, we've rehydrated it. And yeah, so, and it just won't croak. <laughs> Yeah. So going back, going back to these uh, pregnant, these women who claim to be abducted and then impregnated. Yeah, I'd no also want to know. Birth to a tardigrade. Right. So, <laughs> so I want to know again. You know, f- the first kind of questions you'd want to design a study around would be tracking. You know, how many of them uh, who claimed to be impregnated gave birth? Um, how many had witnesses to that birth and what was born? You could look at the genetics. You'd also want to know how many of that population specifically was re-abducted. Because if you are impregnating and you're not including some sort of monitoring device, which presumably could be detected by our science now, if not in the 60s, (laughs) you're going to need to bring them back for the equivalent of alien visits for checkups to see how your experiment is going. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Um, I've ever heard of children of abductees being abducted yeah it's being abducted genetic do they follow bloodlines that could tell us about how long the aliens themselves may live you know what's the species memory for returning to an experiment santosh you you last about two weeks right oh yeah (laughs) yeah before you're like oh shit what was i doing again (laughs) (laughs) two minutes yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um So I think looking at whether or not you want to accept alien abductions is real. I think analyzing the commonalities among our abductees can tell us a lot about the hypothetical race doing all the abducting. Um, Maybe different aliens have different areas of Earth staked out and they're all fighting over there. Maybe it's just different departments in one alien (laughs) science academy oh my god dude we when we got all of our covid patients and we had to divide up like okay i have you know this much phlegm for mrs johnson in room 218 who wants it yeah it's like so many people as i need the phlegm no i need the phlegm (laughs) i have genetic material from the appalachians Oh, well, I have, you know, uh, yeah. ammonia and urine from Huangtong province. Yeah, yeah. Um, or even, you know, people fighting over telescope time, right, Eleanor? It's like, yeah, I need to I need to use this to scope out the rings of Jupiter. Your rings of Jupiter experiments suck. <laughs> <laughs> I want to yeah, look I mean, at Pleiades. Or, <laughs> or grad student scientists. The big academics are just studying us with far off, you know, telescopic lenses, their version of Hubble or Webb. And then sure. the juniors are like, oh, I'm never going to get telescope time. But I bet if I just snuck down to Earth and grabbed some random human off a backcountry road, <laughs> I could get my paper in real quick and outshine. <laughs> That's right. You know, there is. Oh my God. Abductee science fraud. Exactly. There's one other possibility, though, and it's kind of like, did you ever see the show The 4400? Oh, yes. I haven't seen this one. So maybe these abductions are actually us from the future coming back to take humans and then augment them to come back to prevent some future calamity. And just along the way, we're like, let's just probe them. And then along the way, let's just... Add a little anal probe for good measure. Oh god! <laughs> hey, hey, John, why are you probing? You know, past Greg. Uh, I don't know. Just he's unconscious, man. Look at him. It'd be yeah. funny. It'd be why funny. Not? And then, and then, you know, pa- and then future Greg's like, no, man, don't worry about it. After all, this is what everyone remembers, right? We have to do it for science <laughs> to preserve the timeline. <laughs> Did you staple your initials into that human? That's not important. That covers uh, every possible aspect of abduction. <laughs> Boy, I hope so. <laughs> I don't think there's anything left. <laughs> We've probed it to death. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
And I, I think we gave a pretty thorough analysis of all the reasons for the frequent medical procedures that seem to be performed. But if you listening at home can think of any others or have a different explanation, we would love to hear it. So that's <laughs> it for this week and this year's Halloween episode. Oh, there <laughs> It's that's like Eleanor's aloha. It's it means hello and goodbye. That that was her going to rejoin her home planet with ideas of how to design a better study for the next time around. That's right. Oh no. Planet, planet We've given away planet. all the all the secrets. Why? Um as always, we love to hear your comments, questions, and feedback. The show is produced by me with a lot of help from Dr. Santosh and friends. Our theme <laughs> music is composed by Rachel Leisure. Like and subscribe anywhere your podcasts are downloaded, abducted, or experimented upon. <laughs> yeah. And until next time, wash your hands, wear a mask, get your shot, and find somewhere to travel to on this planet or another <laughs> wear clean underwear just in case <laughs> just like your and, told and until next time as always happy travels bye everybody bye bye deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Black Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.